part one. Agus, for goodness sake, stop. We hit a fall over the wicket keeper's head, and he was out for nine. Brian Johnson, 1991. What are the ashes? A. What England have. B. What Australia want. C. What Granny is. Sign in the van, 2016. Chapter one, important and exciting galactic history. Do not skip. Before time began, other things happened that Harley they're talking about. This story starts a little later than that. It's based in its galaxy, the one we all know and love, with its millions of suns, its strange and wonderful planets, its eerie moons, its asteroids, its comets, its clouds, clouds and dust clouds, and immensely, immensely of coldness and darkness. It affects, however, the universe. Just occasionally it should be remembered that this galaxy is just one of infinite millions, but then it should be forgotten again, because it's hard for the mind to stagger around with that kind of knowledge in it. Since the galaxy began, vast generations, civilizations, have risen and fallen, risen and fallen, risen and fallen, so often it's quite tempting to think that life in the galaxy must be a signaling akin to a seasick, space-sick, time-sick, History sick or something such thing and stupid. But when you get to the street level, however, you can re- you realise that the phrase life galaxy is pretty meaningless, since it describes billions of separate short life beings who whom have some very for some various reasons have been programmed to be incapable of learning from each other's mistakes. This is a very s- simple example. A street level. The street is a cold but busy one. A city called New York, a planet that hardly anyone has heard of. A man is walking along it, looking up at the stars, wondering perhaps how many of them are there. It is purely lo- local problem. What happens to him has happened before to others and will happen again. He walks past the site. An extremely tall building is being put up in place of another extremely tall building which has been pulled down. An explanation of why this happens would only confuse matters at this point. As he passes, a small tall falls from the high up in the scaffolding, scaffolding which the building is surrounded and buries itself snugly into the man's skull. This has the effect of bringing his life, all his memories, his loves, his hard won battles, his instructions. Defeats, the walls and disappointments, in short, its entire existence to an abrupt end. The last thing the man sees before his personal light is shut off is a sign on the scaffolding that says, We apologise for the inconvenience. From across the street, a woman, a man's mate, sees this happen, failing to learn from this, the incident that the University General and New York in particular is a rambly, dangerous place. She runs pointlessly to his aid. And has her own, and has her own life, with its all its expectations brought to an end by a yellow taxi cab, whose driver would never apologise for anything. The cab driver was only there at that point because he was completely lost in one of the most irrational, the laid-out cities on the earth, and that again is another purely local problem. This story is about a much, much larger problem. But strangely enough, it does come 
to involve this otherwise harmless planet in rather curious ways and explain the reason why no one likes it. It involves a large number of mistakes. The first and worst mistake was made during the height of very major, first major civilization, the rise and fall in his galaxy. A mistake lay in thinking that he could solve anything with potatoes. It was a race of people called the Abelins who were instantly aggressive. They fought their enemies, i.e. everybody else. They fought each other. The best way of dealing with Abelon was to leave him in a room on his, on his own, because sooner or later he'd beat himself up. At that level of what they liked to call civilization increased, so for the sake of sheer survival they had to find ways of curbing, of simulating their mad aggression. Each war they did greater and greater damage, and for too long they were on the brink of self-destruction. Here she says, it is a great pity. They didn't go straight ahead with it. Eventually they saw that this is something they were going to have to do something about. They passed a law decreeing that anyone who had a weapon as part of his normal work, i.e. work, policemen, security guards, primary school teachers, etc., had spent at least 40 minutes a day punching a sack of potatoes in order to work off this surplus aggression. Interestingly, it would not be the only way to try out the solution to war armoring. Indeed, people thought this was what what potatoes were for, until the surprising invention of deep fat fryer. For a while, the potato solution was for well peace, worked fine until an Avalon decided it would be too much much more efficient and less time consuming if they just shot the potatoes instead. This led to a renewed enthusiasm of shooting in all sorts of things, and they got very excited at the prospect of the first major wars for years. Skipping a century or two, here we come across the Avalons as a minor major interstellar power sweeping through the galaxy and ravaging everything they could lay their hands on and shooting anything they couldn't. Since this behaviour was going down so badly with the rest of the galaxy, they decided in order to protect themselves they needed a very special weapon, an ultimate weapon. How ultimate is ultimate? They built a computer to find out what could be done and came up with a perfectly staggering answer. The computer was called Hector. It began a very large black moon which orbited the planet Avalon. It did all its thinking in space. It was a special organic design, like an actual brain. In a very circular particle, it carried the pattern of the hole within it. This allowed it to think more imaginatively. In the answer to the question about the ultimate weapon, it said that the universe could be brought to a premature end, and this was the ultimate enough. At this news, there was a dancing in the streets of Alabama. Street parties, fates, carnivals, of a peculiar nasty kind, a moral sense of having arrived somewhere. They sent out a message across the whole galaxy to the fact that they, the Avalons, were now positioned to destroy the entire universe, and that if anyone had anything they wanted to quarrel about, they'd be happy to hear from from them. In that, in that bite to this message, they described how the universe of weapon that Etta had designed for them worked. It was a very, very small bomb. In fact, it was simply a junction box in hyperspace. It would when activated, 
connect the heart of every major sun with the heart of every other major sun simultaneously. This would convert the entire universe to one gigantic hyperspatial supernova. Unless the whole thing started up all over again in another and better dimension, that would be that. That was how it worked, except when it came to it, it didn't. The Avalon fingers, which hovered over the button, would not set the button bomb off, were very itchy, and eventually, of course, someone somewhere in the galaxy said or did something which really rolled and left them. They were afraid with absolutely no alternative. but to detonate the supernova bomb. To themselves, they said, What's this planet of having point of having a thing? You don't use it. The button was pressed, the bottom fizzed and popped, and then fell apart in such a way it suggests it been rather badly made. For a moment, the loudest noise heard anywhere in the universe at that of a computer clearing its throat. Hector spoke. Hector said, This is one thing another had been thinking about this ultimate weapon business. It worked out there was no conceivable consequences for not setting the bomb off. It was worse than the known consequences of setting it off. It had therefore taken the liberty of reducing a small floor to design the bomb. He hoped that everyone involved would, an entire reflection, sober reflection, feel that. That was as far as Hector got before the Avalon missiles got him, straight between his major sub- Subnautics and a huge black moon computer reduced to radioactive submarines. It's not a great deal later than this that the Avalons managed to blow themselves up as well, to the great relief of the rest of the galaxy. The way in which they blew themselves up is very interesting and instructive, and in a state that no one has not learned from. It's purely sensible and practical measure. They had entirely surrounded the planet with thermonuclear weapons. This is safety and stop anyone on the planet event annoying everyone else on the planet because of what they would lead to a so called nuclear umbrella. It made it difficult to see the sun because the sun's coverage was so thick that it didn't matter because they had plenty energy generated from the stations on the planet, providing heat and light. This must be emphasized was all a perfectly rational and controlled situation. Any reasonable Avalon would have explained to you over breakfast why necessary without looking up from his newspaper. It goes without saying, of course, that the entire system was riddled with every conceivable safeguard, the greatest safeguard of all being the sheer knowledge that the entire arsenal on the other side would be launched automatically if you as much popped a toy balloon. That's not quite true. There are computers which knew about a toy computer. Balloon popping sounded like, and would discount that. There were other computers that knew what a flock of leaves looked like, and wouldn't be alarmed by that. Unfortunately, there was also a telephone company, computer. They didn't know what to do with someone's change of address card and panicked. So much for the accepted history. As we all eventually find out, much of what we have read is wrong. If you think that you have just waited your time, then it is to be hoped that, like the rest of the resistance, you fail to learn from your mistakes. We can move forward many, many, many millions of years.
two savages and outrage. Rowena was appalled. And that was before the killer Roberts turned up. You brought me to a cricket match? Hush, the doctor looked around fervently, pulling his hat closer around his face. He handed her some wheat tea in styrofoam cup. Rowena was a tiny lady for the planet Calvary, nestling in the upmarket constellation of Castabolius. In her travels with the doctor, she resembled a key, resembled a key of time, Forty Davros, their class in Nimon. It's fair to say she thought she'd seen it all, but life with doctor was full of surprises, not at all them pleasant. A cricket man, she repeated, making absolutely sure she wasn't misheard. The doctor ran her. Well, wondrous in the fourth dimension, and potterous in the fifth. Rowena had been raised in the Time Lord of Cumley, the spectre life of August Calm and Cumley Rigor. Instead, she now spent the days dashing round in a blue box, sailing round the bits of the universe. One of the best friends was a robot dog. Well, it wasn't the life she expected, but she thoroughly enjoyed it. Apart from the day, a cricket match. I know the doctor pulled his hat down further and sat even deeper into the deck chair. The day started so well, he promised her the universe was ending. Oh, goody, Rowena said, always liked it those days. He said he brought her to the Lord's Cricket Ground. The seats around him were crowded, with greasy-looking bankers treating each other to corporate hospitality. Further below was a middle set of middle-aged men trying to get sunburn. Adrift in the middle was an occasional colonel angrily completing the Times crossword with the help of famous flask containing a tea, soap or gin. Romana conceded that all human life was here. If your definition of human life was very, very narrow, really very narrow. To give the doctor credit, he got them very good seats with a splendid view of the pitch. A ship of glass was cosseted with a rich old lady on life support. Driving, dancing round it were two teams of men in spotless white overalls, looking like physicist knights who ordered their armour with a high thread of account. Occasionally one player would throw a small red ball, another sometimes would hit it merrily in the air with a plank of wood. Something they, sometimes they wouldn't. Often nothing at all would happen to play applause. Cricket was the most English invention imaginable. It's pre- if a prep teacher had tried to demonstrate eternity, and yet, and yet it wasn't. If you, if you like, you don't have to have a clue of its true significance. Remain in a glass. I'm not sure they do. The doctor was shaking his head sadly. She really should have known something was up. Doctor Shine Sheen had been drifting amorously between planets. On the outside it looked like a small blue box that got a little lost. On the inside it was a collection of infinite white rooms decorated with the verve of hustle run by an antique stealer. One of the many problems here, TARDIS, was the doctor really didn't know how to work it. Doctor had over time simply taken to labelling controls with bits of sticking plaster and had scribbled the best guesses on. He'd been staring at one who said handbrake when he strolled into the room. Doctor was an obscure punch maker mark of a man, infrating, charming, puzzling, brilliant. One of the things Romano adored about him was his eyes that never stopped smiling. Romano, the universe is ending, he said. We need to dress for it. 
Normally, when I like dressing up, Doctor Time Machine may have been like him, but obstinate and cantankerous, but one of the perks was infinite wardrobe. Sensing her eyeing up the wardrobe door, the Doctor headed her off, fishing in the pocket. Ties must be warm, he announced suddenly, handing her one. They had been reading up. Canine's ears twitched, but the Doctor ignored them. Rowena watched the Doctor, trying to tie his own tie for a while, and then, when he stopped being amusing, he did it neatly for him. She noticed the label read, Women's Institute Champion Breadmakers, and she glanced hastily at hers. It wasn't contained a row of cartoon. It merely contained a car- row of cartoon penguins. Well, it wasn't what she had chosen. Why do we need ties, she said suspiciously. Where are we going? Well, the doctor said, looking guilty. This is never good. His time machine roared an abrupt halt. He opened the doors. Let's go and find out. And there he'd taken her to that cricket match. Tardis had bellowed into the members' enclosure like a tipsy aunt. The apparition was greeted with alarm and outrage, which is rapidly transferred to the doctor's appearance. There were times when the doctor was for every inch the champion bent eternity. Rowena had seen the giant green blobs look hastily at the floor with all hundred of their eyes. Knights stolen in battle brigade remembered an urgent call they had to make. The corrals had murmured something. They were really having to knuckle down, write the Christmas thank you card letters. There were times the doctor was precisely that one that wonderful. And then there was others when he looked insane. This is one of them. The assembled men were glowing at the doctor's random assembly of jacket, trousers, waistcoat and long scarf, completely ignoring his proudly worn tie, even though he waved it at them like a religious totem. The time travellers were confronted by an army of disproving sports jackets. Someone said very loudly, very well really, someone that was quite disgraceful. Marina found out about all that happening. Where were they? Normally people just looked up at them. What took them to being carried by something green and smelling of Sorfika? The shouting was new. The doctor faced the deadly tide of tweed and felt a few blistering, full blistering false middle-aged disapproval. It was quite something. Nevertheless, he fished out, out of his pocket and flashed a combo card. I am the doctor, he announced heavily. Randy, in only the slightest hesitations, this is Verona. We from the MCC. Rowena, along with most of the front row of the sports jackets, squinted to do at the card. It was signed by W.G. Grace and dated 1867. The card worked eventually. It allowed them gradually access to a corponia of perseverity suite, amount to leaking tea urn, a pile of pink paste sandwiches. Well, where are we? Rowena hissed, throwing a sandwich behind a plant. This is England, isn't it? I've never seen it quite so hostile. Race memory. The 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 doctor slipped out a cup of tea and winced. All oh, the feel hungry, angry, ashamed, very intolerant of outsiders. But not a clue why. He led them out into the terrace. Oh my was which is when she finally realised where they were. You promised me the end of the universe and you brought me to a cricket match. Any gent Englishman would tell you they were, off, they were the same thing the doctor attempted to laugh it off. It was mirthless. So what 
That it was. That, so that was it. She thought the doctor's dark secret. You're trying to excuse the seventy before long. Well, of course he would. He was such an eccentric anglophile. He adored tea towels and jam. Made her go fishing. He liked stately homes. So much he'd blown up at least a dozen. Why wouldn't he bring her to a cricket match? How could you? Verena demanded. She tolerated his love of this planet. Sometimes she even enjoyed it. But there were limits. Cricket? That was a neat line had to be drawn. A small red ball arched through the air. A player scrump, scurried back and forth. Plight of paws rippled through the crowd. Verena shuddered and looked away. Not a thing, the doctor remarked. Is that all seems harmless? Harmless, Verena scoffed. Until the players shook hands. We always meant to find out why something like this could happen. He said gravely, but he wanted to sound grave. He could sound extremely grave. Extremely grave. Like a rumbling of distant thunder in the cathedral. Marana looked up the cloudless sky at the bright sun, soaking the green, green grass, and she shivered. You seem to be so innocent, don't they? The doctor shrugged miserably. Look at them. Look at all of them. So, his lips twisted. Happy. A man hit a ball with a bat. The ball went quite away. Everyone applauded. It looked the most innocent thing ever. It's absurd, that's what it is. Rena fidgeted in a chair. If anyone saw her, a chance of being President Godfrey, not of course that she had any ambitions in area, were well out of the time window. It's a, it's a, it, if it's a cosmic joke, then it's a very bad taste one indeed. The doctor consulted a pamphlet, been eating sandwiches off. See, it's the last day of the ashes. Several people nearby glanced at him, if, him as if he'd fallen off the moon, which was which was Anna's fault. Fair enough. In cricket terms, the doctor whispered, it's very bad news, you know. Every ten years or so, every four years, a man in front of them turned around to snarl. Doesn't, doesn't matter, the doctor said, delighting the spectator, turned the colour to match his coat. Anyway, the English, England and Australia fight a series of cricket matches. Eventually, one of them takes home a trophy. The trophy, the, the spectator snapped. Thank you, that's quite enough, the doctor smiled at him sweetly. Maybe it's by Sam Quick Telegram got his wire for us. Maybe it's just a game. It looks doubtful. Maybe it's not the end of the universe. We ran us let out an English groan. At least a dozen races are given cricket as a reason for attacking the planet. It went a long way to explain why most of ages were going in the home countries. The mensch went on in contrast to the time laws of disappearing bearing mood. The crowd was growing jubilant. Given the amount of applause and a number of people shouting, commenting and things were getting pretty exciting. Oh, oh so exciting as a cricket match could be. How could something so terrifying be so so certainly seemingly dull, Romanus thought. She glanced at the scoreboard, at which a lot of frown, with a lot of frowning, eyes eavesdropping, and found, managed to decipher what was going on. I think it's the last round, she said, watching the spectator in four wins. And England needs three to win, satisfied. Please say we can go home afterwards. Home, the doctor barked bitterly, down on the field. The little white figure was moving with a little more tension. Someone threw a ball, someone hit it with a bat. 
For a moment, eternity waited. The ball drifted higher. Then nothing happened. Better to do. It drifted high still. Then a tiny stadium breathed out. It's a sick screaming audience to each other. With delight of people pointing out the obvious. The crowd was as wild as cricket. Crowd good. There were polite applause. Backs were slapped. People were saying, Hurrah, it seems terribly jolly. Well, they won, maybe. Moreno winced. No one ever wins cricket, the doctor sighed miserably. And Moreno looked up at the sky. Clouds are forming. And just in time, too, each announced, tripping. It looks like rain. There's worse. That's worse than rain, the doctor intoned. He really was sounding like very English. Wasn't sounding very English at all today. Moreno tapped him lightly in the shoulder. In the middle of the dashing after rain returning with evasion, an old lady at bus shop was shouting something at her, and she seemed itching, been itching for a chance to try out herself. Cheer up, she said, and might never happen. The doctor turned away. Do you know, I always hated people who said that. And with that, he vanished. Chapter 3, An International Incident Remainer blinked. The doctor vanishing was never a good sign. Sometimes the doctor vanished loudly, a comforting little yell as well, as he fell into something. Sometimes the doctor vanished with a little fear as some transparent beam or another abducted him. But sometimes the doctor just vanished silently. This is the worst of all, because it meant he slipped away. All of all the places, Remainer said to herself wearily. He had to go missing at a cricket match. She tripped over his shoulder in case the doctor had popped off the TARDIS to try to amend the history. Situation was verbally called for some hasty remaining later. When then he looked out across the terraces, nothing trying to spot the doctor among those spectators. Not a sign of him. Then she looked down the pitch. Oh no. Oh really? No? she said. Match had ended with a six. The crowd had gone most politely wild. The doctor reacted, his member staring down the glacier, causing some to wonder, like an Australian supporter, seemed, though it seemed a little unlikely. It followed a little presentation ceremony. There's a new thing, not entirely possibly done, previously done, and probably designed to take the whole business better. As his word presented, the captain and English team. There in the field, the TV companies didn't know at this point that they were in for some very good television indeed. For there came the doctor. He stormed under the pitch like a mo- Moses came down the mountain, high temper because God had said he could got away, got a commandments to hand out right now. But how about lunch time next week? That, that week, Doctor Mark's English, English captain. Excuse me. Are you in charge of the cricket? Cluster players and pitch stared at the doctor. A small palladium podium had been dragged out for the purposes of presentations. Chairman came out, freshly polished medals on his lovely blazer. Empire and his team, best butcher's coat, stood to one side. The two teams were getting ready to shake hands and find a pub. The doctor bound into the podium. In, on to the podium I was addressing them. People were good afternoon, you go. Shane shouted someone. The chairman was looking round for security and remembered. 
It's a cricket match. They didn't need security. Honestly, it take it take barely a second. I'm going here. I'm going. This is good to galaxy, possibly the whole universe, and maybe very fabric of space time itself. The doctor persisted. You're just great, someone shouted. And how can I be? The doctor smiled. I'm wearing a tie. So what? Should, would you? Would you, you care to tell me what's, what's going on here exactly? Confronted to the full force of his personality, a captain in a, 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 a Australian team blanched. Well, mate, he began. And stop. This wasn't that. This was he wasn't done. Go on, the doctor prompted him. The uh, uh, Australian captain held a small silver trophy. He held. It ever side one, so I'm presenting him with the trophy. Fascinating, the doctor glimpsed. And what is a trophy? There's a stunned pause on the pitch. Well, the, the Australian captain again again. The, the, these are the ashes. Quite right, someone in the crowd mumbled. No, yes, but the doctors continued. What are they exactly? Well, ashes, the captain said. Oh, what? The doctor, Emily Nature, and lowered just a little. Well, the captain began. Do you, do you start every second sentence like that? The doctor asked. Well, never mind. The doctor looked at the teams gathered around him. Can you tell me what the ashes are made of? A burnt stump, a, burnt, a budgie, a sole cricket. The doctor looked at them and nodded again. Not good, he said. I'm not, don't suppose any of you know ever had a pig inside? Have you? The group glared at him. Oh, come on, not late at night. Then no one's up looking. A gliding a little dark, glaring got a little darker. A lid's will is shut, someone pled, murmured. Then they're meant to say, the doctor pressed on, that you spend your life passing the trophy back and forth, and none of you have any idea of what's inside it. The great sunny looked at the grass. It's just not done, hissed the Empire family. Well then, the doc- said the doctor presently. I am suggest as you don't don't know what's inside it, uh, trophy. I would very much like to know. I was wondering if you had possibly borrowed them from you, just for a bit. You finished with his well, was winning smile. For next way, someone staggered weakly. If you like, the doctor shrugged. The thing is, your ashes are are terribly important. You finally said something in the group like, quite right. It represent all the good about the cricket. The doctor winks more than that. He said slowly, they're very important for the future of the universe. This is, even for audience of cricketers, a bit steep. Confusion reigned along with bewilderment, indignation, and all the other emotions that English are very good at. The Australian team had just rolled their eyes. Anyway, said the doctor, leaving down off the podium. I rather will be able, as I can, may... And now, uh, much everyone supposes, the Australian captain gave him the ashes. Doctor held them in his arms. The much he's craving a lump of uranium. How dare you, sir, thundered the umpire. He said, we're looking forward to today. And now things have gone badly awry. Oh, believe me, the doctor steamed that forward cuddly. I'd rather be leaving this one well alone. But his voice dropped an octave. When I was a child, I always I was told about them. They were things of nightmares. It was bad. I was told that they would come and get me. Sorry? The umpire was a bit baffled as he crossed. Were we talking about Australians? No, the captain. No, doctor pointed to the sky. I think something else dreadful was about to happen. Remark played 
badly with the group, group. As far as they were concerned, a man had stolen into the middle of their ceremony, only to the ashes out of them. And they were now lowering between frets. Wasn't the, the, that dreadful enough? Obviously, his tie was unspeakable. Soon the doctor was discussing the matter quite pleasantly. One of the red faced, bustling, whispering, well, faced gentlemen. They seized the ashes and they were trying to pull the trophy out of the doctor's hands. Believe me, he said, there's nothing like a, a better, like better than to let him go. But I, I can't. At that point, the doctor heard the worst sound in the universe. It sounded the entire crowd in Lloyd's cricket ground, slowly but derisively clapping. Clapping down. And when, even the boo boy, then even the booze again. Oh dear, the doctor said. It, in all, it's now become, it's, it was something of a relief when Killer Roberts finally showed up. Yeah. Chapter four. Finally, Killer Roberts, the English love good lunatic, particularly at cricket matches. There's always feeling that the crowd wanted something more. A doctor might as well at least take his clothes off, leap over the wicket, so they could all be shot by it. A few people talked about what happened next. All chose to remember different things. Some spoke about the way the neat little cricket pavilion edged way out of thin air and hovered a little above the right as though concerned about uh, not damaging the grass. The second spoke about the way as lemon figures all attired in perfect cricket whites drove out of the pavilion and towards the podium. The eight were all intense and purposes for all models from their tiny lace pencils to the new helmet protecting their faces. Even their hats were polished so much they shone. Most, when pressed, talk, choose to talk about the killing. In the dark start of one, the figures waited till they were noticed, till the people spotted what was going, what, what was wrong with them. True, they walked perfectly, perfect, their cricket gear was immaculate, but there was one thing missing. There was nothing inside their uniforms. They stepped, they empty suits of gleaming white armour, marching in unison. Our, one of the commentators knew, could be heard of varying, on radio, saying jovially, Well, the supernatural brigades really seem to be out in force here this afternoon. A ripple of alarm spread through the crowd. Some people swore it was a market stunt, marketing stunt, maybe the kind of people who never witnessed a marketing stunt, which normally involves handing out cereals, bars to commuters, or floating a really large lump of polystyrene down the river. Very declared. Many declared confidently at being paid for by an Australian margarine manufacturer. To start with, only a few people screamed. After the event, they claimed they'd been seeing, trying to warn most other people. They simply realised there was something about those striding, white, empty nights that was assaultingly wrong. One thing all the witnesses could agree on was that even the Australian magazine manufacturers wouldn't stoop this low. The seven, the eight figures arrived at the podium and eventually arranged themselves in a neat white line, waiting. Normally at this point, the doctor would have take, naturally taken charge. It is one thing he looked 
like doing, was ordering about Antomina. Instead, he stood still, his mouth agape. So it fell to Captain England Cricketime to step forward and address the figure. He had been to Muggle reasonable public school. He had an unnatural ability to talk to anyone, whether they wanted to be talked to or not. Hello, he said. Can we help you? The figure said nothing. The captain of the cricket team was not ashamed. Have you come far? He pressed on. His experience has never failed. He made it always on in the facial expression of a man who liked to hear about by, by, by roads, B roads. The figure said nothing about B roads, service, station, coastal, or even the tricky tailback at Baker's Week at Junction. There was something about that silent emptiness that crept into the soul, leant forward, and whispered, Shh! Even the captain of the cricket team fell silent. Everyone in the stadium was now watching the new arrivals. The new arrivals were just were not watching anyone. They did not have eyes, just blatant white helmets were not nasty darkness within. But once that glowed, really, uh, really sense of red, one of the figures raised a white arm and pointed and padded up at the urn. The doctor spoke of the tiny stifled croak. One of the figures raised the white arm and pointed with went bedded up at the road. One of the glasses really says the red. One of the figures raised the white arm and pointed with the padded glove at the turn. Doctor spoke a tiny sofa croak. Let me give it to them now. The captain Australian team laughed. Well now, you go with that jovial reasonless. It made the rest of the world want to beat them at games. Yeah, all very well, but they've not won the ashes, have they? He, he laughed again. He cast the attempt to go a camaraderie. Fell on completely deaf ears. The doctor spoke. The witness hissed again. Look at their, their bats. You can, if you wish, find out a lot about the manufacture of cricket bats. Rather than consulting an encyclopedia, a woodworking teacher, or the most boring man you could find in a bar. Simplified summary that a decent cricket bat is carved from willow and must kept supple with, with linseed oil. They are not as raw, made out of steel. Their sides do not taper as a, to sharp knife edges. Well, crikey, said the Australian captain. He sniffed. A ball, 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 bats felt still smart with linseed. There's something, that was something. Everyone, that's enough, and and that's enough, is that, is it, fellas? He said, didn't help saying, couldn't help start saying, started laughing, though he lost his head, which a moment later he did. Everyone later agreed that the application did it. The strange white robots had little time for some bone foamery. The nicer things in life, they clearly did not come to Lords of Marvel. A picture eat sandwiches or talk about problems of motor bones and foreigners. They came for some unvaluable reason. There's still a quick interview, but they were there where a robot itself now lich loafily determined to get. Beside those empty helm inside the empty helmets, 
so it lit up dark bread lanes and formed an angry frown. The place is suddenly overwhelmed a storm of fire, smoke and noise amazed the observers as, as they staggered about, choking almost as deafened and blinded. There was a middle of it, in the middle of the smoke and fire and noise. Eleven newcomers actually appeared to be playing cricket. This seemed to display a quite staggering degree of fortitude in every street until it slowly dawned lookers that whatever they were doing was actually the direct cause of the devastation around them. Every ball they hit exploded something somewhere and killed people. They sliced their way through the players who were so as far in a hurry to get out of the way. The robots raised their bats and from the ends of them leaf, fired lethal bolts of light into the now screaming crowd. One of the most beautiful sounds in very on of audio quick England is the pack pock as the ball meets that. It fills the mind with some shady willow trees and cups of tea from a saucer and gentle game and then played a candle's trot. But for everyone laws that day, a sound forever crowded their minds with images of fire and horror as row after row of seats collapsed, burnt and crossbones, bricks shattered, and fleeing crowds were cut down by a strike of the strike of the bull on bat. There's only one person standing still, one person seemingly unaffected. That one person was the doctor, and he is handing, handing the ground. And he was handing the ashes, uh, holding the ashes. The killer robots were uh, having burned, slashed, blasted, and dicing their way across the field. Pitch came to a halt before the doctor. The leader pointed to the trophy. The other figures raised their, their bats. Doctor did not flinch. There was something frozen. It's very much posture. The bats were ready to swipe out, which is when the air in front of the doctor shimmered. Up and the gravity ground filled with a fine bellow. The doctor's time machine landed in front of him on its side. Eleven liquid pegas slid pointlessly into it and sit and, and stuck. The doctor opened and Romania popped and hurried out. Tez, Romania, Dr. Armstrong. Why is the TARDIS on its side? Romania didn't have time for this. A barricade got in, sir. I see, I'd send Dr. K9 out. Not this time, the doctor said. Romania, Romania raised an eyebrow. The doctor didn't normally seem to care much about the K9, but confused, trampled, or battered. Neither did the dog. He enjoyed a scamp little scamp, but. She really began surely. One of the white figures was clambered on top of the police, the police box. Romania stared at her. Oh, she said aghast. Robert looked down at her and nodded slightly. The red glow inside the helmet formed a smile. It plucked the trophy from the doctor's numb fingers and leapt back to the ground and tucked it bar under the belt under the window and marched back towards the cricket pavilion. The other white figures turned and followed suit, following, firing indiscriminately into the crowd, spreading more chaos and confusion. One of the white robots raised a last ball and tossed it in the air. It swiped it with a bat, smacking it straight into a tree tent, where promptly it exploded 
then the white figures climbed neatly to the cricket pavilion, which melted into the air. For a few minutes, the do- moments, the doctor stood there in front of there, where the cricketers, where the bodies, the finest cricketers in the world, among already there, with the chaos of screaming from the pitch itself, the smell of burning gas grass. Raina climbed out the toddies and offered the doctor a steady arm. Together they surveyed the devastation. So you, they come back, said the doctor eventually. Romania nodded, a sick note. But it's preposterous, absurd. It is neither, sighed the doctor. We witnessed the single most shocking thing I've ever seen in my entire existence. But they were, but were those really the kick, 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 Romania said. I think so, the doctor agreed. I used to be frightened with stories of them when I was a child. Me too, said Rainer, wondering again so much about the Time Lord education. Both terrified and young. You tell now the doctor's mouth was still working slightly. I never seen them. Never quite sure believed in them. They were supposed to have been destroyed over two million years ago. May's tone was petulant, as though already writing a stern letter to whoever was responsible. This can't just, couldn't have happened, it can't. The umpire was staggering towards him through the smoke and carriage. He was managing to do both, red-faced and also pale with shock, which is quite an achievement. But what? he added. Hush, hush, said Romania. But really, what can, what just happened? The umpire persisted. Romania and the doctor both shook their heads, grumly, grum, grum, grumly, then shrugged. And, but why, Lumpur World? I have these things that dressed as a cricket team. I mean, really, it's ridiculous. Isn't it just, the doctor agreed. Chapter 5 Unforgivable Thefts from my hairdresser. No one has ever witnessed a tourist guide of Gallifrey before, to be truthful. No one's already wanted to visit. Plenty of places that are angry, technical faults. Thought about bathing, but it's not the same as fancying you did there. It did it itself of a fortnight of spare. There's not much to see. True, there are silver trees, orchid mountains, an old smug daisy, but mostly there's a lot of orange, orange and beige, two colours which, whether a plant or wallpaper, say that whoever's in charge should be thinking hard about redecorating. The only problem about Gallifrey is it has no idea ever no one has ever thought about redecorating Gallifrey more than any civilizations in the universe didn't like didn't like change. You refer to the phone was never taken off on Gallifrey because the entire population thought of it as far set far. The orange skies reflect the new reluctance to change the whole day. Looks like another sunrise or something. Perfectly stuck in the same moment of time. And really, that's just the way people go away. Got a very prefer it. In a rare and over long ago racing moment of Gutterfreans came the lords of all time. They immediately decided that the best thing to do with vast powers do was, was a little puzzle. If he did interfere the affairs of others, and why did they, and what did so with his soft pedal firmly pressed, it was solely for the intention of keeping the status with most 
Crypto. Just that there's nothing changed, you've got to free. And nothing in the universe never, never would, never would either. There's one or two flies in those orange beige ointments. Most of the people of Gutterfree were happy to grow up. Life long lives composed of identical marmalade days, and then eventually potter off into the afterlife of more and the same. Thank you. Instead of developing an internet, the Gutterfree is built of library souls and opinions. Vast and developed, I told you so. They acquire wisdom, are eventually available to anyone who asks. The woman, what wisdom could be summarised, i.e. no sort of movements. Why is the large, everyone was quite happy with the life of Godfrey, except for a few rebellious souls who had decided to leave home one eternity. A few, such as Mars, had tried to take as much time used as possible, but much settled in a quiet corner. And devoted themselves a quiet corner, uh, such as housekeeping, or and treated of the harmless, devoted of the harmless copy, hobbies, such as beekeeping, or making a really nice cup of tea. Doctor was, of course, an exception. The exception is the rule. He never made a bid for universal conquest. It was harmless. Hopeless of bees. Instead, he strolled through eternity with an attention span of a green, green, sea goldfish. He some he somehow managed to fit saving plates in between most of performer interests, evolving the from daddy, from daddy, daddy to exciting poetry, daddy to new name dropping badly and manly. He did, in fact, very, very much enjoy making tea. He did with so much collateral damage. They could say the doctor enjoyed making tea the same way the doctors enjoyed landing softly on a planet and saying hello. When Romania had first met the doctor, she had only just graduated from the Time Lord's family with a triple first. She was looking forward to her next thesis when she had been ordered to help the doctor find the case of time, and give and save the universe. Obviously, he obliged, and the office he celebrated by carrying the universe a bit more, and then he carried out our son to doing so, doing for it, eventually, quite a, quite a long time ago. You know what Such a long, quite a long time ago now, since you mentioned it. Oh, so she said, you could boil a kettle without burning anything down. Whatsoever, and gone to Paris and stopped a few instances of wars. I've gone shopping. Oh, I say the Menderels, the Banderels, and the Croaks. And what were the fluffy little things that went boop? Then, too, they saved those. The point was that Romania's life plan had originally included only brief light leave of absence on the apricot world, Cutterfree, and she'd never met the doctor, and quite a lot of things got in the way. 
He figured what, since no one had brought up the subject of popping back to Gallifrey, that perhaps they didn't need to after all. Tyndall society was still there, and would be Igor. He got along quite well without her, and she's now a lo- was a lovely little ball ground. She had been in Venice the other week that she meant to go dancing in. Back then, the Kish Crick Crick men had turned up, and all they did had all their change. She guessed she and the doctor couldn't go back to Gallifrey after all. There's no getting out of it. The chances were left that she used survived the calamity, which frequently she doubted. The landlord, Time Lords of Gallifrey, would suddenly remember the Time Lady Romana Avada Ladera was gone missing, and he would, wouldn't be happy about it. Not by long base talk. The TARDIS pushed its way angrily into the surface of Gallifrey, and stepped with a thump. The door opened, and the doctor stepped out, panting it gently. No, none of us are keen to be here. Old girl, sorry. We may have followed with a slouch, with it which in her heels was impressive. The robot K- dog K-9 shot out from the ship and raced slightly on the head. Well, you soon find out who your friends are, remarked the doctor dryly. They stood at the heart of the Time Lord's Empire and sighed. Gallifrey and Capital was neither pinnacle of ambition or literally large snow globe. Turrets and spears threatened to pierce a vast glass dome. The whole effect had loudly now very pleased with itself it was. Once Romana had felt only wonder, she walked in the hallways and peeked down the vast shafts of knowledge as barrowed the data caught it never had a never time had home. She thought it was here as a privilege a part of the capital. Had felt definitive, absolute and unquestionable, the centre of the universe. She never travelled the universe. She felt a little different about coming back here, like a tuner to a canning factory. She shivered. Home sweet home, the doctor had a ghost of a smile on his face. Roman Gronin smoaned, bloody glumly. Could we not have any drunk, just run them up? The doctor frowned. Good point. Still, we're here now. He scorned, scrowled off between the corridor and then stopped. Oh, that's a scene. Roman had joined him and shuddered. There stood in front of him a large, magnificently ugly sofa. Doctor whispered Romania, I think we've discovered the real reasons why nothing ever changes the Gallifrey. Our friend people are remarkably bad taste. The set on the sofa, no matter how they tried, refused to be comfortable. I'd better cost the packet, mused the doctor Sally. I write a stern letter to cut whatever in charge. Then he pulls the gas. The Romania had noticed someone's at somewhere out there. In one of those buildings, my tutor's ears are glowing. I'm quite, I'm, going, I'm in for quite a lecture. What sort of Aridon do you call yourself, young Rowan Abandoned or Lorna? Oh, it's going to be quite ghastly. How do you think, how do you think I feel, the doctor muttered gloomily. I just remember the pre- I'm the present. Oh, yes, so you are. Romania, 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 along with the other Time Lords, every other Time Lord, found it quite easy to forget. Doc was the Lord High President of Gallifrey, regulated the Eye of Harmony, Keeper of the Great Seal of Razor, Razor on, Etcherer of Etcherer, 
A simple reason was an inconvenient fact with pulling incidental. During a previous visit, the doctor had quite a chance killed off the only other candidate in presidential election. It had been part of an elaborate plot by the master, the still black hole hidden under the carpet of the panoptican. The doctor briefly tried out being president. Some wag had pointed out that when the doctor, doctor was exiled on earth, the planet had been invaded every week. So perhaps Gopher shouldn't expect any better. True to the film, they invaded twice in a fortnight, declaring his worst holiday ever and had been to Majorca. The doctors then left shortly afterwards. Their strange granary had not been invaded since. I am completely forgotten your president Romania was grinning. So had I, the doctor murmured. Makes Rankin went up without screaming so much easier. He rearranged his jacket and tapped Romania carefully on his nose. Strictly speaking, Romania, since you're here, you should probably address me as Lord President Doctor, so long as he doesn't sound too absurd. It does, doesn't it? The doctor escaped with the clutches of the sofa and slivered equally onto the floor. You know, I bet the old goats have forgotten I'm in charge. He rubbed his eyes together. This could actually be quite fun, especially if they arrest me, which is pretty much bound to do. He looked inspectly from left to right at any moment. Some people can tell when it's about to rain. The doctor knew when our guard was on the way. He and Romania stood and waited for the rest. There was now, you mentioned, a distant alarm and wind, a cluster of indistinct military shoes. The doctor checked his watch. Late, I blame the new guy. That's you. Oh, I know. The doctor whistled a bit. Tell you what, it was been a lovely thing we can do with. Take me to your leader. What? First uh, question. Whatever. Flying saucer lanes. The chief agent always says, take me to your leader. They put me taxiing him to the nearest soldier now. It was real. They sent him to the Indian Revenue. Also, Serenia, flying saucers are the worst. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, where are we? A squad of closely scarred marched around the corner and aimed a weapon at the pair. The doctor threw his hands up periodically and edged in front of the sofa and cased. A straight bullet mercifully took it out. I am your leader, he declared. Take me to me. Romania shook her head sadly. The doctor always enjoyed being marched around by Chancery Guard. It reminded him of the brightly wrapped Christmas chocolates with pin post-bot red uniforms and pinstripe capes. Occasionally he had remarkable hats made away worry, him worry that somewhat of Godfrey was a farm full of angry bald peacocks. I'd been gone too long, Romania thought. She had always thought rather admired a pomp and splendour of it. Well, every door was a portal. She called a spade a spade of Rathalon. Now, as they were led through the internal glaring chambers, she found herself sniffing an urgent giggle. She found a child's book on her own corner, a book had been about an abandoned library, had run by bookworms. The worms had all jolly names and spectacles and barks, a series of ventures sold through teamwork, cooperation and knowledge, and they gleamed for the books they ate. This was of course absurd, Arania had read it, from cover to cover immediately. A good idea of microcosm, devouring the very knowledge of its companion, fascinated her. She mentioned it to the doctor, he laughed. What about their glasses, he said. Do they stay on their head? How do they stay on their heads? As they went deep into the capital, 
The building growed a grimmer hue. There was different flotation with murky brown. Before they were, in, were into the chambers as soon as the emerald green. Of course not, the doctor said. This is where all the business is done. No service. They're awful, aren't, aren't they? To the transient guard, this was baffling. Money were marked by them. You know me, what they called a no-way trip. At the end of their journey, you ceased to exist. Your whole time in erased so that someone could better, better use your proportion of divinity. People barely paid any attention to you. Your past would, would, would now have never pay, pay you to see any at all. For as it's called, you know, the Razalon Erasure. Though it actually someone else had invented it, history, of course, so you've forgotten them. Instead of being covered, coward, or imitated by the process, the two prisoners were talking about them, stove furnishings, laughing inflatable ones, and overstuffed ones, the Lucas purple ones. The doctor was wondering if one day a whole lot of dirty dresses, Solons, woke up and find themselves robbed. Romania was asking if the, perhaps some kind of cunning plot on the master. If it is she, the doctor chuckled. It's surely his most successful one. Let's him let him get let him have the benefit of the doubt, shall we? Funny nearby the hollowed vastness, who fell of his reaches as it suggested a stony echo, but mostly it was just a huge blackness. In presumably his centre was toppled monolith of a stone table, so long and grim it could only have been owned by unhappy married goblins. At the far end of the table, a small man slumped in the ceremonial groves, a school nativity wise man is over cover. He pushed his wire frame spectacles out of the way to rub on his tired eyes. Oh, it's you, he groaned. Who's been sitting in my chair, the doctor barked with delight. Oh, look, it's Balusia. He knows the dead man in the ribs. Keep my seat warm for me. Huh? Roman, ain't it? He cried dreadfully. It's Connell Burgessay, my old tutor. Oh, said Priya, Roman, in surprise. Mine too, actually. For Gronerin Basilia, UCA, Archfine Cardinal Gallifrey, who recently led a series of unknown lucky lives. Time Lords had 13 ones. Lives and were carefully husbandry. Can eke out a very long lifespan indeed. Cardinal Bursi has spent several thousand years shining slowly up the Greece letter to Gallifrey and Economy and made a stately, elegant leap into similar role politics. It had been achieved with grandeur, posture, pose and caution. Borussiae had previously unregenerated when he revered an ancient bodies, finally worn out, thin and airboats. Recently, however, by wishing to dwell, he started racing through his remaining regenerations. At the rate of knots, is if not obliged, it was if a lifetime prudence and good luck been knocked away. He, called, called, he consulted a cultural therapist who sniffed his own energies and asked if he recently been exposed to a high degree of improbability. Sadly, Bersia had the doctor. Up until that moment, Bersia had always had something of a soft spot for the doctor. He had in his very long, long career trained a fair number of successful time engineers, quantum mechanics, relatively activists and so on, all respectable titles going to respectable careers. All of them have so recently terribly easy to forget 
less in his favour. Not this sell doubt, a little uh, like a sore thumb. It was true, one that did not have intruded too many renegades, but the doctor always made for interesting small talk at parties. Doctor did little, uh, did love a scrape and threw himself in all sorts of unlikely events, such as a pace that's sometimes impossible to keep up with whatever he's doing. His deplorable authorities was never shuddering forever, shuddering from one spot, hot spot to the next. Yet Doctor proved to be a singularly lucky considering the number of times his life had been placed in immediate danger. He's constantly being chased, shot, tortured, held in black poles, got through time storms, taken over, exterminated, and likely vexed. He always seemed to be the very least moment, last moment. Annoyingly, none of the worst wear. His dress sense was not only horrible, it was a celebration of his instructability. A doctor really liked wool, short of a nylon miniskirt. He would wear anything more vulnerable. Yet the doctor strolled out of criticism unscathed. If both so, yeah, had been in doctor's patent flavour shoes, he'd have worn an asbestos suit and ditched the scarf immediately. But so, yeah, had met his worst student twice recently. First, when he'd been time, when a black hole got loose with a Pantonian chamber. And then there was a period when Gunnery invaded it quite a lot. Quite both occasions placed the doctor in great peril. He emerged fine, but it was where Cabrosi's casual therapist had leaned towards fascinated things that weren't worked out quite not quite worked out so well for the cardinal. Cardinal therapist put it like this Supposing we would accept that you were such a thing in the universe as luck. You said that this was a definitive quality of it. A casual therapist had a dull, dry use, could toast and butter it. It was a case that we could assume that a doctor had blessed with a large amount of luck, luck which almost therefore inducted from some of the luck available around him. A doctor is a complicated space-time event. If it over you in future lies, I stand well back. The doctor's death were a matter of grand heroics. Over the last few years, Bosia had a generation because of falling stack of books, a missing decimal point, infected Potomel. Bosia's deaths have become frequent and absurd. Although in the world has recently even things out with political progress acceleration, the doctor pretty much strolled into in and out presidency as though it were mere were a tent running the most important civilization in the universe. Clearly, it didn't matter for who to him. But Sia had cautiously and not all very stepped into the breach. If the doctor had squadroning power, he wasn't the man to let it go to waste. So that if he, Bersia, spent Mumelia gently sending the doctor and marched in and treated presidency like an unwanted secret center gift, he may as well get some act use of it, but see, he has spent some time, spent some fun, eons as acting present and tutoring the more, more interesting time models, and gently researching ways to stay alive, because he knew that Doctor was, sooner or later, going to turn out again. He was worried about the consequences he would be. He's not for the universe, which is, he was very certainly for him. He usually mildly enjoyed tutoring, recently enjoyed, moodily enjoyed tutoring the Time Lady, Romania, Avador, Tolumbria. She was a bright, certainly traditionally ambitious, and had about her a kind of icy dullness, 
Which is so, so to George, Bersia, you go far, but not too far. Things you like ways of bark. You'd rather surprise when she left Gallifrey for a short mission, and even more surprised she shouldn't come back, right back, vowing never to leave the capital again. But there, there she was, after a long absence, bobbing along in the doctor's wake. A change in her was startling. It wasn't just that she regenerated, but she acquired the spark been, that she'd been lacking. She dressed as a lackly tailored sweet suit with a bounce of a step. A sharp intelligence shone for her eyes. Oh dear, Romania was now regretfully a force to be reckoned with. The doctor had done it again. True, she was looking a little a bit stupid, but as only to be expected, but she spent several hundred years perfecting a glare that immediately made previous children worry they were seventy years late with an essay. Only the doctor would be to this. That was because he never managed to hand an essay in his life. Doctor knew by now he could cause this considerable amount upset on Godfrey simply by strolling into the room, acting as if he owned the place, because in his very he did. He didn't give a hoot about it. But he did so very much enjoy how much he annoyed everyone else. Now, Limbus, he, uh, he announced, his voice so loud, the colonel shot an long glance up, a chandelier swinging over his head. <clears throat> I've something very important to tell you. Have you now? But see, his son, he felt more terribly timid. It wasn't going to be good. You see, the doctor again, and he shuddered. What am I going to tell you so terribly, painfully, terribly painful? The Kittucket men are back. Romania ruined his son. As is, of course, absurd, said Persia, as he led, led them to what to them to what was either a rather small tennis lawn or an open-ended tennisman beam. Absurd? Absolutely, the doctor agreed. Quite, said Romania, solemnly. 